uh, section is about the compassion of Jesus. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send the workers into his harvest field. Good morning to everyone seated here and to many others who are following us online um, uh, in the worship. Uh, I will lend my voice to uh, the fact that these are very unusual times, um, but um, the scriptures have taught us to always um, give thanks to God in every situation. We have been dwelling on uh, the mission-minded church um, since the beginning of the month of November 2020. And um, the church is not um, isolated from having a mission, like every organization in the world, they have their mission. And we very well know that um, the church has a responsibility that has been um, categorized into very three distinct uh, classes, evangelism, edification, and uh, benevolence. And so, um, as Christians, we have been given the marching order by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to evangelize every nook and cranny of the world, um, uh, fishing for men for him. Incidentally, uh, um, pretty much the focus of um, the year 2020 in the Central Church has uh, been on uh, evangelism. So this morning, we shall be looking at what we have up there on the screen, uh, the urgency of uh, salvation. Um, you might want to ask me, what is urgent about salvation? Um, well, uh, I think um, by the time we are done um, talking to ourselves on this uh, subject matter from a, a biblical point of view, then uh, you probably be in a better position to know whether um, salvation is something that is urgent or not. The word urgency, uh, probably something, we could have something more um, serious, but I think that uh, it's, it's tough to have words like emergency. When you talk about emergency and you talk about urgency, 
There's actually a very um, tiny line uh, demarcating the two of them. While emergency is a threat, an immediate threat to life, to health, um, to the environment, uh, to properties, um, urgency is not an immediate threat to life, to health, uh, to, env- to the environment or to property. But if it, nothing is done and it's um, left the way it is, then things could go very sore. So this morning we have been told that um, or we have learned before now, and we shall be learning again today, that, uh, or be reminded again today, that what Christ promised his children is salvation. What Christ promised us is salvation. And that's why in the book of Titus chapter 2 verse 11, it tells us that the grace of God that offers salvation has been given to all men. The grace of God that offers salvation has been given to all men. And that reminds me of the book of Romans chapter 1 verse 16, which states that, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jews, to those who believe, to the Jews first, and then to the Gentiles. So the barrier or the, the sole right of the Jews to have access to God had been broken with the coming of Christ. And that is why Titus earlier said, like, like I earlier said, um, quoted, said that the grace of God that offers salvation has appeared to all men. All men, irrespective of your social class, your economical class, um, um, whatever class it is, your ethnic background, whatever it is, just mention your political class, that offer has been made. But brethren, it remains an offer until we turn it to something useful. Incidentally, in this part of the world, in North America, offer is a language that is kind of part of the culture here. Because offers are made for various things, for properties, for businesses and all that. When an offer is made to you, it remains an offer until you make it transactional. And how do you do that? You accept the offer. So until the offer of salvation that the grace of God has given to all men is accepted by men is merely an offer. It cannot do anything to you. So the decision now boils down to each and every one of us. The book of Acts chapter 2 verse 21 tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In our text that was just um, uh, read a few minutes ago, in the book of Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 to 38, be retro hearing. And a section of that, which he read, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They were harassed and helpless. How many of us have actually seen someone who is helpless? How many of us have 
probably, let me put it another way. How many of us have seen a missing kid? A child that is lost. You see confusion written all over the child. The child will be sobbing, crying, because he or she does not even know what is or her next step of action. Like sheep without a shepherd. That was the way Christ put it. Like sheep without a shepherd. That was the way Christ put it. And we know very well the function of a shepherd. What a shepherd does to the sheep. It protects the sheep from wild animals. Tend to the sheep. Um, feed the sheep. Nurture the sheep. But we're told that we have a higher shepherd in Christ. Who is the chief shepherd? And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. That is the chief shepherd. The chief shepherd protects us all. But again, we as a sheep, it is tough to have um, uh, a sheep without a shepherd and having them to have some form of coordination. And as Christians, it is our responsibility to look out to um, sheep that are without shepherd. And what was Christ talking about when he said sheep without shepherd? was talking about those who are lost. Those who are lost. That was the way he put it. And said they were like harassed and helpless. But what did Christ do to those who were lost? To those whom he described as being sheep without shepherd. In the book of Mark chapter 4 verse 34, it reads, When Jesus landed and saw a crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so what did he do? He began teaching them many things. He began teaching them many things. What is our responsibility as individuals? What is our responsibility as a church to the world outside us? If we know that they are like sheep without a shepherd. If we know that they are lost. It is our responsibility to teach them. It is our responsibility to preach to them. It is our responsibility to reach out to them, wherever they are, in our family circles. In our places of work, in our business circles, in our neighborhoods, we are expected as children of God to reach out to them and not get so relaxed in our comfort zone. Some of us, like people like me, I'm so privileged to have been born into the church. What do I mean by that? Just like me, I know so many of us are so privileged to have been born into the church. In other words, we're born... Growing up in the church. When we were born, giving birth to, 
Our parents were already Christians. Isn't that amazing? That is a pass. There are so many people in the world, you'll be surprised, who have not heard of the word Jesus. But probably you'll not be surprised that there are so many people in the world who have not heard about the unadulterated doctrine of Jesus. Probably have heard of Jesus. They call Jesus and all that. But again, in what manner do they call Jesus? For the Bible says, for there is no other foundation that can be laid other than the one laid by Christ Jesus. It is our responsibility to reach out to all these people. Because we've been told in the book of Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it is not the wish of God for anyone to perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. And repentance, salvation can only be found in the body of Christ, in the bride of Christ, which is the church. The church that is likened to the ark of Noah. Remember the ark of Noah? It was only Noah and members of his household that chose to go in. And when the flood came, every other person were destroyed. Even those who built replica acts. It submerged. Today people have replica faith gatherings. Denominations. Just like what happened in the first world. When people who thought they could do what Noah did, after he had preached for so long, and they said, well, I don't have to get into your ark to be saved, I also built my ark. Yes, they did build their ark. But when the water came, what happened? It all sank. And Noah's ark remained on top. The bride of Christ which is his body, the church, which he died for and shed his blood for, remains the only way to God. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. That was Jesus Christ. And so, the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 12 tells us that foundation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 47 tells us, And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Should be saved. It's a futuristic tense of certainty. But again, it is not given on a platter of gold. It's a futuristic tense of certainty if we play our part. Paul said he had fought the fight. He has kept the faith. He awaits the crown of righteousness. Not to be given to only him, but as, for as many who will do the same thing. The question that begs for answer is, the church, the Lord, no, sorry, please. 
the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. How do we get to that point where the Lord will begin to add people to the church? How do we get to that point? There are steps of salvation that must be followed. If we do not reach out, if we do not preach to the lost, how can they get to that point? There's a question that is begging for answers in the book of Romans, as we can see on the screen. Chapter 10. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? For it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So how can these people know? How can they know? You know, there was a story in the scriptures where um, different gods were um, labeled. And to a particular god, it was labeled to the unknown god. To the unknown god. How can people know about this god? If we do not reach out to them. Like it says, how can they call on the one they do not even believe in? If they have not been taught of the word, how can they believe? How can they repent? And how can they follow through the steps? We as Christians, we have the sole responsibilities have we been enlisted in Jesus' army to take the world beyond this place? I said earlier on, we cannot be so comfortable with whatever numerical strength that we have here. Um, 400, 500. Yes, that's a good figure. But we're talking about 400, 500. What is the population of Winnipeg? Probably a million, if not more, because it's growing. Well, we know there's another congregation in Winnipeg. Let me be generous. A thousand Christians in Manitoba. What is the population of Manitoba? Manitoba is over 1.3 million, if I'm being conservative with the figures. Do your math. 1.3 million and you're having a thousand Christians. I mean, in the era of Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham begged, what if we can find five righteous people? I don't know what their population was, but if you take a thousand to 1.3 million, that ratio is pretty, pretty low. We're talking about zero points. Zero point percent. And so we have the responsibility to take this gospel out there. But again, 
there's a saying that a man does not give what he does not have. A man does not give what he does not have. And that is why the book of Titus chapter 2 verse 15, 2 Titus chapter 2 verse 15 tells us, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, but rightly, rightly dividing the word of truth. If the Holy Spirit in its wisdom has inspired Paul to put that word rightly before dividing the word of truth, it does mean that the word of truth can be divided wrongly. And so, for us to put the message across, we are told that we have to study. And the book of Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 2, which is commonly referred to as the multiplying ministry, Paul says, those things that you have heard of me, commit unto faithful men, who in turn teach others. The multiplying ministry. A lot of us have at one point in time or the other, got ourselves involved in um, all this down chain, chain link business, or where you have down links. Oh, if I talk to Gary, I win Gary over, then Gary can talk to Bell, and Mel can talk to Ray, and I am having all the benefits, a little chunk from Ray, a little chunk from Mel, and so, if I talk to five people, and five people talk to five people, and five people talk to five people, you see what the multiplication is. From five to twenty-five, from twenty-five to one twenty-five, one twenty-five to six twenty-five, and I'm lost with other figures. But can you see how it's going to grow? Those things you have heard of me, in the presence of many witnesses, commit unto faithful men, who in turn teach others. The book of Matthew, chapter 28, which is a passage that is commonly read, gave us that authority. Go into the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We have been given that command, we have been given that mandate. In the second part B of our um, our text, it says that, or it reads that, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Can you imagine being a farmer and you have such a big field and there's so much harvest, that's something to be glad about. And because you have few workers and you are hiring more workers and they are not still harvesting, what do you think as a farmer you are going to do? I probably will fire them. 
I don't know what you would do. Because I want to get dividend on uh, my investment. Christ looked at the crowd that were harassed and helpless. Consider them lost. There's so much to be talked about. To, uh, so much people to talk to. And that is why we have been commissioned to go do, go into the field and harvest for Christ. The book of Luke chapter 15, verse 7, tells us, I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That is to tell us the eagerness of Christ for us as children of his to go out into the field and harvest for him. Whenever we get, we're able to win a soul from the, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Even as a church, we are delightful. When someone is announced to have been accepted Christ by water of baptism, we are happy. I can imagine what the joy is in heaven. And so if we choose or if we refuse or remain adamant or make excuses like we were taught last week by mice, excuses for evangelism, we make excuses, I am too busy, send someone else, and so many of the excuses he gave, there will be like lacking ourselves to that man in the parable of the talent that was given one talent and he went to hide it. Having what we have, it amounts to going to hide it. And when the master came, he said, well, your talent has kept it because you're a wicked man. You want to sow where you have, you want to reap where you have not sown. That is pretty much what we are doing if we refuse to push out this message to the world instead of allowing it to stick to ourselves or keep it to ourselves. There are so many people out there who are eager for the truth. There are so many people out there who are searching for the truth but they only need some guidance, just a little help to help them navigate the scriptures and know the truth. The book of Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2 tells us, I tell you, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. The scriptures use the word now. Before I had used the word today. Today could be 6 p.m. We are just at after 11 now in the morning. Today could be 9:11:20 p.m. But the scriptures say now is the time of salvation. 
that demonstrates the urgency of salvation. We do not have any time to waste. The book of First Test chapter 5, let's see how they puts it. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Oh. I cannot miss that word. But while people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. As labor pains come on a woman. The urgency of salvation is again demonstrated in the book, in, in the passage we have just read, in Festus 5-2. That destruction will come, like I said earlier on. Urgency is, does not pose an immediate threat to life, but if left unattended to, it will deteriorate. So destruction will come like a labor pain. I don't know often, we, we, about eight days ago, we, we had our fair share of labor pain. But I don't know of any woman who can tell you at 10.08 p.m. my labor pain is going to begin. I don't know. You have an EDD. That's true. But where? Sometimes you go to the hospital. They send you back. So, the destruction is going to come all of a sudden without announcement. And that is why we cannot afford to wait. And there are so many parts of the scriptures in the book of Acts that have demonstrated the urgency of salvation. In the book of Acts chapter 16, we're told about the jailer. Paul and Silas, having saved the jailer from physical destruction, they preached the word to him. And the scripture records it that that night, himself and his household were baptized. In the book of Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian Union was written in the book of Isaiah. And Philip went up to him and asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, no, how can I except someone explains to me? And Philip opened his mouth and led him through the scriptures. Having understood the urgency of salvation, the Ethiopian Union, as they were going, they came across water. And he said, here is water. What will hinder me from being baptized? He stopped the chariot. Philip and the Ethiopian Union went into the water and were baptized. It demonstrates the urgency of salvation. That is someone who was trying to learn, but he only got an assistance from Philip and everything materialized. In the book of Acts chapter 2 again, on the Pentecost day, Peter told them, The same man whom you have crucified, God has made both Lord and Master. Can you imagine you going for an interview? Probably you're running late. And as you were speeding to get there, somebody cuts on you and you swore at that person. 
And on getting to the interview, the same person you swore is going to interview you. How are you going to feel? When Peter told them, the scripture records it that they were preached in their hearts. And asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter told them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're told in the later part of that passage, about 3,000 souls committed themselves to water baptism. A common feature with all these stories I just talked about in the book of Acts is that there was no time wasted by these people. But if these people have held the gospel back to themselves, these people probably wouldn't have been opportune to be baptized. And so today, I want to encourage every one of us, let us get out of our shells. Let us reach out to our neighbors. Let us reach out to our co-workers. Let us reach out to our business partners. Let us reach out to members of our families who are yet to accept, embrace Christ through water of baptism. And let us not continue to make excuses on why we are not evangelizing. There is a hymn that I love so much. It's captioned, Oh, why not tonight? It reads, Oh, do not let the world depart and close the eyes against the light. Poor sinners had another heart be saved. Oh, tonight. If you're listening to me and um, you have not um, committed yourself to water baptism, I encourage you I plead with you and I appeal with you to give it a serious touch because we can only be sure of this minute. Nobody knows what the next minute holds. The book of John chapter 4 verse 35 reads, don't you have a saying? It's still four months on the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Brethren, we do not have the time to procrastinate. For procrastination is the theft of time. As a closing hymn, the song I am resolved has been chosen. I'm resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. I will hasten, hasten to him, glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. Once again, if you have a need to talk to someone, you want to talk to me, you want to talk to any of the Ministers, Jay or Miles, you want to talk to the elders or any of the deacons, please feel free. But I want to say, as much as evangelism is the job of, is my job, 
It is also your job. May the Lord bless his words in Christ's holy name. Shall we sing?